welcome back to Artist Avenue. My name is Christiana Hartziotis, and for today's episode, I am joined by Earl Figuracion. Earl is a multifaceted artist who recently received his master's degree from the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. He has performed in plays and musicals in the Philippines and in Asia, as well as with emerging work in the UK. He has also done commercial, TV, voice and film work in the Philippines and internationally. As always, I hope this episode inspires you to follow your hearts and your dreams, be unique, celebrate yourself, and remember, an original is worth more than a copy. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Mabuhay, from oh, the Philippines. That's, <laughs> that's how so we cute. say welcome. Mabuhay. Mabuhay. I love that. Which means, which means uh, life to you. Mabuhay, Earl. <laughs> oh, you, say, you say it so well. Tell us about, like, tell us more about you and your journey, how it started. So, I mean, for those of you who, like, have not c- caught my name, <laughs> let me properly introduce myself. My name is Earl Figuracion. I am from the Philippines. And um, my journey, I think I'll start that story uh, with my first with my first foray into performance, which was when back when I was I, as a university student at the University of the Philippines. So I had just come home from studying from Japan for a year and a half. And I, I discovered, I wasn't aware of it at all. Like before I, before I, before I came back from Japan, uh, I, I was not aware that the university had a theater program and had a theater company, a professional theater company housed in it. So when I discovered it, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. That's something that I liked to do before. So I joined and I was lucky enough. I was fortunate enough to be cast and cast repeatedly for its like stage plays. So that's when my performance like journey began, I think. So it was, so if you look at it, it's actually pretty late. And from then, from then on, this was around, this was what, 2009? Mm-hmm. So it's been so it's like ten years, and and from then on it's just been nonstop. So uh, I tried stopping it for a while, you know, to go serious corporate mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know I would oh no like because I was thinking like oh you know the th- theater and like freelance performing in the Philippines is not sustainable. It's not you know it's hard to do it. You won't earn much, and you're you'll you'll be dependent on projects. It's hard to do it, and. And up until now, it really is, especially during these times. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't, like, even when I tried to uh, to leave it, quote unquote, leave the profession, I just couldn't. I, I got pulled back into it. Opportunities keep kept coming my way. So I just kept on doing it and eventually went full freelance and up until this point, up until this point. So... So yeah, I mean, I've been because of because of performing for the for theater, for TV, and for for film, I've I've gone to several countries. We've toured Saturday Night Fever before. I was able to do Aladdin even before it was officially staged on Broadway and in the UK. We tested it out here in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. People from Disney came. People from Disney came over and watched us just so that they can get ideas. It was that was great. That was my first professional production, so it was it was it was great. Uh, it, it it was fantastic. Oh, and I have I have a story about my audition for that Disney for for Aladdin. The Aladdin kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, and um, so yeah, we I got to go to Singapore, Malaysia, China, 
went to Japan for a short TV show. And then, of course, I went to the UK because I wanted to train. And that's where we met. Uh, yes. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind of a 10 years of being an artist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> when you first started off, though, did you ever think mm. that your profession would take you around the world? Yeah. You know, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that, I didn't think that it would. I thought that I would just be doing it here in the Philippines mm -hmm. and I didn't, and, and taking a master's degree in like in performance wasn't even part of the plan. Like, uh, like, that, like that, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, that came, no, not of, out of nowhere. I, that came out because I was inspired. And I think because I wanted to improve myself, but that wasn't like when I started, that wasn't part of a plan of the plan. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just want to, because when I started, I just said, I just want to do this. And I just want to see how long I'll do it before I get tired of it or, or before, you know, or before, or maybe I'm like, you know, not for it, but yeah. I'm, I, I keep on finding that, that, that it is like among all of the things that I've done, like working corporate, working in education, working in uh, in in parks. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think this is the one where I'm mo most comfortable in, yeah. And where I excel, mm -hmm. I guess, and where I'm most like me. And like, I mean, we've taken Emma's class, like, and Emma has said, like, if if there's something like that, you don't don't fight it. So yeah, I'm just I just haven't I've. I've made the decision to not fight it. I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful yeah. that you like said, no, this is, I always find a way back to it. It always comes to me. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what it's supposed yeah. to be. What's interesting is because I was saying like, uh, you know, even working in corporate, you, you, tr it always comes back to you. But the the more that the, throughout the years I've discovered jobs that are a combination of corporate and this profession, mm -hmm. and 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 because I've been doing it, like you know, I mean, like I have I find a happy middle in in doing it. Like, oh, okay, I can still perform, but it's a more like education. It's a more and it's more from the educational point, like using performance as an educational tool, or using performance in the corporate setting. And mm -hmm. finding those things is really interesting. And which is why, which is what, like, I've grown, which is, I guess, like, a more mature, like, version of, of like, of, of, of what I'm doing right now. Be just mm -hmm. because you're not, you're not closed into, like, oh, I can only do performances. That there's, there's more, there's more things to it yeah. that, where I you can apply it to. I agree. I think a lot of the times you forget about how art actually is everywhere. Yes. And you can link it everywhere. And every single person looks at art. Every single person has art in their daily life. If you, yeah. like, no matter if you're an artist or not, if you're a performer or if you're just a normal businessman or anything, like you still have, you still listen to music as a businessman on the way to work, for example. Yes, and yes. it's like, they still get their graphic designs and all their brands and logos. And yeah. I think we, like, we take it for granted how much our industry, like the arts in general is everywhere. Yeah, I yeah. I think it's very yeah. important. And it's bec it's becoming clearer even now, like, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. It's becoming Especially so much now. clearer now as well. Yeah. What I find interesting as well, so you went, you started in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 
there's a few questions here. When you first started off, when you first got across with theater and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this course, which you said was speech? Yes, speech communication and theater arts. Yeah. Okay, I didn't I start off with that degree. So bef when I went to uni, uh, my, my very, very first degree that I took, I took it for three years, mm -hmm. was, ling was uh, linguistics. Mm -hmm. I took linguistics for three years. Then I went to Japan. And then after I came back from Japan, I shifted to speech communication. What made you shift in Japan? Did you see other types of theater? Or because I'm, I'm guessing, I'm assuming like your first contact with entertainment and theater and storytelling was basically the traditional storytellings that you have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was uh, my, my shift to speech was actually a combination of, of like, you know, necessity and because I discovered performing. Mm -hmm. um, so before I went to Japan, I was, let's say that I was having a precarious time with my degree and mm -hmm. with my professors. So I was like having, you know, I wasn't so sure about it. I uh -huh. love the discipline. I love linguistics. Even up until now, I love languages. Um, I, I love it, the science of it, you know. Um, but then I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't like it much in, in the university. Mm -hmm. So when I went to Japan, as you said, I saw I saw traditional like Japanese art forms and theatrical forms, and I was like, oh, that's really great. I mean, I, I like that. I like watching that. Then when I came back to the Philippines, that's when I saw uh, when I was looking for degrees to shift into. Mm -hmm. I saw speech, which was very near to what my course was. It's like a practical application of linguistics. Um, but then I also saw in their like curriculum that they had a perform a performance strand for speech. So it's like applying speech in a performance setting. So mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting, and that like you know that called me. So that's how I started, and then that's where eventually I got introduced to storytelling, like traditional storytelling, like oral interpretation, chamber theater, reader's mm -hmm. theater. And then because it was a sister course of the, the of the theater department, of the theater department, <laughs> of the theater <laughs> department, I eventually bled, it eventually bled into that. Into so that. Yeah. You, can, you can say it was a f somewhat of an accident. So A beautiful yeah. accident. A beautiful accident. Something but, that um, the listeners might not know. When we all got into Central and we all started yes. following each other and trying to figure out who we are, who we're going to be spending our year with, um, Lord. I remember you. <laughs> Your Instagram handle was Storyteller Earl. And I was like, this it guy. Still is. It still is. And I was like, this guy has something. It will be forever. <laughs> it will be forever. Can you explain to us like what the significance of storyteller is? Because I have a feeling I'd, like that it's you do see it as your profession and as actors and performers of course we are storytellers but i feel like in the western world we would not use that like we will say we're performers we're people who tell stories but that doesn't we kind of see that as a given we don't need to we don't mm. say that we are storytellers that often as we should and i feel it it's so beautiful that it's kind of like a label mm. actually here in the philippines only like also, only a few would call mm -hmm. themselves storytellers. I mean, I've only, I, at least to me, I've only seen a few when you guys ask me, 
Like, so what do you do? Like, yeah, I'm a storyteller. That's my first, that's my first response always. Mm-hmm. Uh, other, like here in the Philippines, if you ask them like, oh, so what do you do? Like they would either, oh, I'm an actor. Oh, I sing. No, uh, they, they, they wouldn't also call themselves storytellers. I mean, I would, I, I myself. But that's so, because as, as, as I, I said before, I started as a storyteller, a traditional storyteller. And by traditional storytelling, it's like, like getting stories from, from, from like fairy tales and folk tales and books and then telling that story verbatim to an audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I started. That's, that's my, and it still is my first performance love. Like I'd take that over any musical or mm-hmm. musical job. Like if you tell me like, okay, so we have a role for you. It's you telling this story like to an audience or this role with you singing to an audience i'd take the storytelling role just because i love like that's my fa- my first love and that's where i really excel at do you think that your storytelling assists yes. you in your acting craft nowadays yes yes yeah. uh, most definitely i actually am so thankful that i have that foundation mm-hmm. just because throughout the years that I've, I've been, because I've been storytelling, because um, looking now in hindsight, when I was, when I was a child, like when I was seven, like back mm-hmm. when I was seven, I was, I was already joining like storytelling competitions and like, like speech competitions. Mm-hmm. Like imagine little Earl doing that. I was, <laughs> I was already doing that in high school. I was doing that as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and, and throughout the years that I've been doing it, I've seen how I've, I've discovered and I've, I've seen how I can use it in like in, in acting, in, mm-hmm. in dancing or in movement. I mean, I'm not a trained, trained dancer. You've seen me. But when I do move, I'd rather like, okay, I'm going to tell a story with the movement rather than focus on the choreography and the perfect movement. Yeah. So, it's, it always comes down to that basic, um, basic uh, thinking for me when I'm mm-hmm. performing. Okay, what's the story of this, of this particular scene or this particular character? Mm-hmm. How do I tell it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, how, that, that's how I think that's if, if people were to ask me like, okay, so what's, how do you, how do you, how do you perform? Like, I think it's that. I mean, I apply other things, like things from training that we've got, like Stanislavski, yeah. Utahagen, all of those techniques. Mm-hmm. But, but I always start out with that. Okay, so what's the story here? What's the theme? How do I make that come across? Yeah. And that's how, I, how, that's how I dish it out. Even in, 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 in singing a song or, or learning music from a musical, it's always yeah. that for me. So I developed a little technique for you there. Makes you unique. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would like to think so. <laughs> yes, of course. So obviously your adventures took you around the world and you also yes. got to work for Disney. Yes. In various stages. Uh, do you want to let us know a bit, like, do you want to talk a bit about your adventure at Disney Shanghai, Disney Shanghai, mm-hmm. and also yes. your Aladdin adventure? Because you said you had an interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> So those two, uh, those two are very separate. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about the, I'll tell you about the Aladdin, the, uh, the Aladdin here in the Philippines before, just mm-hmm. because it, it came first. I was, fr- I was fresh out of university. I graduated 
my course. And on Facebook, I just saw this, this casting call uh, done by Atlantis uh, Productions, which is the biggest receiving uh, company uh, mm -hmm. here in the Philippines. They're, they're the ones who produce most of the West End musicals or West End plays and bring it here. And the year was 2012, yes. The year was 2012, and they were calling for uh, those who are interested to audition for Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, the musical, which was going to be staged here. I think that was around October of that year. And I just thought that, hey, I like, I like singing Disney. I've never been in a musical before. I'm not a trained singer, but I just want to... I just want to go in an audition room and feel how it is because I've never auditioned for a big company before, never auditioned for a musical. So I went and that was, I, I still remember it <laughs> to this day. It, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was very nerve wracking because, you know, I mean, I went into that audition and in the waiting room, it's like people knew each other. I was like the newbie. I was like so tense in one corner. I was this nobody. And then I, I went into the audition room and, and, you know, I mean, bring a music from a musical, uh, any musical. And I didn't know many musicals at that time. Uh, wow. I didn't know many musicals at that time. I was so ignorant. And I, I didn't even have a score. Wow. <laughs> Look at that, Christian. I didn't even have a score just because I didn't know where to get one. So I was like really like digging myself here. And I was setting, I, I was, it was like a setup for failure. So I sang this song and I, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off which, which, which song I sang. But the, but the comment of the directress, who was Chari Arispakuchaga, one of like uh, the leading directors here in the, directresses here in the Philippines. I think she's in Canada right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was her and Miss Lisa, who was uh, one of the producers of the company, who viewed me. And then she said, uh, okay, so that's really good, good effort, but please do not sing a female's song if you're a male for your audition. <laughs> and, I felt, oh, and I felt myself like shriveling. And I was like so stunned. I sang Take Me or Leave Me from Rent, Christiana. <laughs> So I was so dumb. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know better now. I know better now. And that's a good story to tell for, for, for future students. And I think that's a useful story to tell for people who are like, you know, going to try it out. But I was so... Uh, Did you change the key no, for it? No. No. Because, oh. I could, <laughs> no because, I could reach, because I could reach it. So I didn't think that I, that I would. You see? Well, uh, <laughs> at, least, at least you went in. And you went in with a song was, that you love, yeah. a song that you can tell. So that kind of sparked as well. Yeah. yeah. And what was more surprising was I was so surprised that they accepted me. Like they, like mm. I got, I got an email a few days later and said, like, okay, congratulations. You're part of the ensemble for Aladdin. I was like, whoa. But you, you <laughs> probably not, stayed memorable. Yeah. You stayed memorable because I was not <laughs> the female song. <laughs> I was not. I was not ready for that. Like I thought that, okay, that's like done and over it. So it was really surprising. But yeah, the, the, that's one of the, the, I will never forget that. I will never forget that memory just because it's so funny to me now. Do you think yes. Aladdin has changed in the form that it exists now? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen um, 
Aladdin on the West End. I wasn't able to see Aladdin on the West End, but I was able to see a lot of like of uh, of like videos from it, like you know, like outtakes from promotions or uh, like their performance in the Tony Awards, mm-hmm. and like just pictures from it, you know, and and just like from how people like tell me it is uh, who have seen it. And I think I think it was like you know I mean but it's like that with with most with most stuff that Disney produces anyway, it's a practice by Disney having worked for them like even mm-hmm. in like the educational setting that's how they do things they 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 test things out first they do a few tests of it and then it reaches its final co- uh, commercial form. Yeah, of course. So I think that's what happened. So we tested it out first. People from Disney viewed it and looked at things that they could, that they that were useful, that were good practices and those that were not. And then they improved it and they improved it. So it's definitely changed. And you see that as well with other musicals that they have, like what was it that they did recently? Uh, a Hunchback of Notre Dame that was staged, uh, I think, in in Boston before, mm-hmm. and then they did a cast recording for it, and now they're back to like reworking the book and re reworking some of the songs. I think because just because like you know before they they stage it, they want to make sure that it's that is actually like yeah. you know commercial form i mean and and the same happened with the same ha- the same's happening i would guess with hercules the one that was staged recently in seattle because mm-hmm. they they tried testing out a disney musical version of hercules and it was done in seattle and it was like it was it was a community it was done community theater style and it was very successful mm-hmm. so i think they're going to move forward with it and you know I think that's that's part of it. I think that's yeah. one thing that Disney does right. You know, they they test out work over and over again. They're not afraid to to rework it, but also because they have resources to do so. Like, yeah, <laughs> they have wealth to do so. No, but workshopping material definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Workshopping the their material. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So this links in nicely into the difference between Asian and Western culture and theater. Yeah. Did you find there are differences because you've obviously experienced both? Yeah. The way they do theater in the UK, at least the way they do like contemporary theater in the UK, is very different to how uh, a work would come about here in the Philippines. And let's take, for example, an original work. An original work like it's never been done before. In in the UK, and we've done this uh, like in the course, it's more collaborative and devised and it's more play and discovery. That's mm-hmm. how a work uh, comes into completion in the mm-hmm. UK. And, and, I've wor- I mean, and I've done new musicals in the UK, like off West End musicals. And I've been to like some workshops of like uh, West End musicals as well. And it's like that. And even though it's like a big musical, it's always like that. It's more collaborative and devised and it's more you come in and the director just facilitates and looks at things that the that the actors are doing and then it, it, and then pieces it together mm-hmm. and 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 that for me is really interesting i for a little bit and 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 you you saw me when i when we were doing the degree in in central i struggled a bit when we we were doing that because i wasn't used to it because I was used to like 
being a person in the room who would take direction and I would do what was told. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest transition for me. Because in the Philippines, that's how it is. Uh, the work from the Philippines is already like made. And then the director would just, the direction, the director has to, there's a lot of burden from mm-hmm. the director actually, because the director would have to go into the rehearsal room and have their vision and their plans already somewhat formed and okay. be ready to adjust it. So a lot of the effort comes from the director. And, uh-huh. and but I mean, the actors do a lot as well. But, but for me, the difference is in, 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 in the Philippines, when you're an actor and you're staging a new play, you have to be ready for whatever the director gives you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have to be ready to, to give something else. Like you get, it's hard yeah. to explain, but it's, it's, it's just like, you're there, you're ready, you're ready a thousand percent. But you have to wait for instruction a little bit. For in the UK, it's like the director comes in, gives you an idea, like, okay, so this is the setting. This is like a pirate ship and you are time travelers that were just brought down to the pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and the, the director won't block you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll just place yourselves on the stage, make sure you don't, uh, that you don't form lines and then interact. And, and, and if you're an actor in the UK, I think that's what ex- what's expected. It's expected that, uh, what's expected is that you're ready to play and that you have a lot of things from yourself to bring to the table. In the Philippines, it's less so. It's like, yeah, you have lots of things to bring to the table. Wait for the director to ask for it, then bring it. I That's think. so interesting. Yeah, no, I understand but, that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but as I said, I haven't been, but because I've been away from the Philippines for, for like two, three years now, mm-hmm. and I haven't been part of Filipino musicals. So I don't know if the practices have changed, which is why I'm also eager to get back on the horse here yeah. in the Philippines, because it would be interesting to, to experience that dynamic again. Mm-hmm. Because you never know. Because, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not to tell that one practice is better than the other. It's more of like, I, this practice works better for this group of people, for yeah. this cultural background. And this practice, which is more instructional and linear, works better for this cultural background. Because the dynamics of a rehearsal room, you know, it, it also boils down into like, you know, cultural norms, like our sense Mm -hmm. of authority, our sense of how we think about collaboration, what we think about hierarchy, it plays into that as well. So one form may be more useful than the other. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting to work across those, those, those forms. So with your casting, do you feel Mm. that your nationality typecasts you? At this point, I've been doing this for 10 years. And Mm-hmm. At this point, I still don't know. I still don't know if mm-hmm. it's helpful for me or not. Just because in the Philippines, I don't know how directors see me. I've been told before in audition rooms that, oh, you don't look like a Filipino. You don't. You you look more like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. And a lot of direct. I mean, in in the UK, 
when I was auditioning there and when I was getting feedback from directors as well and casting directors, they would say, actually, Earl, you don't look like that. You look more like this. For me, it's, it's kind of like, it's confusing because, I mean, as an actor, you should know yourself, right? I mean, that's the, you should know yourself. And, and looking at casting breakdowns, you should know which roles uh, would fit you. I, I've just been having difficulty discerning that. Mm. Because I know I know myself as an actor, like mm-hmm. what I what I can bring to the table, like how I am, my personality. Mm-hmm. But in this profession, it's still a, a a part of it. A great part of it still is on how you look and register on stage or on screen. How yeah. tall you are, how 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 your face looks. Does it look? Asian? Does it look Mexican? Does it look European? Does it look like a mixed race that can't be identified? If so, is it needed in this production? And and you know, most of the time, that's that's how it is. Yeah. You know, I, because I've been cast as an Arab before. Oddly, I've been cast as an Indian before. I've been cast as a Mexican, like someone of Spanish-like descent. I've been cast as a Filipino, a Thai. So I really don't know, but. That's also very useful, I guess, because um, Nick Shearer, who I worked with, in uh, uh, a director who I worked with in the UK, he said that that ambiguity, your the ambiguity of your face, can be ve- also very useful to you, because at least when you get castings, it's also like the director will also see beyond what your typecast is. Mm-hmm. But you can also play it two ways. It's either you stick to a casting or you play on your ambiguity, which is a bit harder, but can be very beneficial if you, if you commit to it. I, comp- I understand you. I, th- I think I know where you're coming from as well. Like, I know that you're supposed to know your casting and your looks, but I think it's getting harder nowadays it is getting much harder and I think it's absolutely okay to still figure things out and adjust and try yeah. experiment as long as you don't give up I think it's great that you yeah. have the pos- I see it in a way that you have the possibility to explore different things and different yeah. types and I think that's great that you're not just like yeah. oh I don't know what I yeah. am by yeah. you know what I mean and I've, and yeah and, I, and I'm pretty sure you've also experienced this with your castings yeah yeah, yeah I no, mean definitely. You're, you're I mean yeah you're also born of like Mixed like heritage. you've also been yeah all mm. around and, and yeah I think also and I think also if you if you're if you're a global resident like you travel like you live from one place on to another that also does something to how you are in a casting room it definitely that, that does. makes it that makes you huh he looks like it I don't say that it does something to you physically, looks-wise, but you're, it does something to your the aura that you bring into the casting room. That, oh no, he looks Asian, but he's not Asian. Or, oh, he's, he, he's, he looks like this, but he's not. He has like, and it does. And, and I find that that's very interesting as well. Like, and I don't know what it does. I mean, maybe that's a PhD topic, Christiana. Maybe, maybe I should we'll- pursue that. <laughs> Go back to the academe. <laughs> and do that just because I like research as well. Uh, no, but I agree with you. It's definitely one of the points that I'm working on as well with um, accepting it. Because I think a lot, like, 
at the start it can be very frustrating not like yeah. not understanding being like yeah. why do they not see me i am cypriot i am german i am filipino why do they not see that what like i completely get that struggle mm-hmm. but i think what you learn as time passes by it might be hard at the start but it's okay because you're bringing mm-hmm. something new and something fresh and like yeah when you find the job that needs that you're perfect for it and it's so unique yeah. that i think a lot of people that are from mixed heritage mixed race like they i think we need to learn to embrace it instead of working against yeah. it because it's yeah. bringing something special and something different and memorable to our performances yeah definitely yeah <laughs> well we're approaching the end of your interview slowly oh wow oh. i know it goes so fast it goes so um, fast so much fun you've got three questions to go though so okay don't worry Let's make the most of it. <laughs> yes. The first yeah. one, what is yeah. your dream role at the moment? What is a role that you really want to play? Ah, a dream role. Mm. You know, I would really love to, I would really love, and I'm calling on the universe to make this happen. I would really love to be Quasimodo or one of the gargoyles in Hunchback of Notre Dame. I would yeah. love, I would love to be that. Just because, because I love the music. I love the music of that musical. Mm-hmm. And I love the story. And the message that it sends is just so beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love the songs. And to be able to tell that story, I, I, I'd really want to do it. So that is my dream role. Then the biggest thing you have learned on your journey as a creative? Um, that it's going to work out. Ah, I'm going to take a line from Amelie, the musical. So, so they say times are hard for dreamers, but they are not hard for me. That's yeah, that, that song. Just because I've been doing this for 10 years and like 10 years is nothing like to, to people who have done this a really long time. And that's a testament to it, Christiana, actually. Like I've, I've, I know people here in the Philippines who have been doing it ever since they were children and now they're like, they're like old now and they're still performing and they're like freelance performing. And, you know, just to hear them tell stories about how hard it was at certain points because they didn't have any stable jobs, how hard it was because there was a recession or how hard it was because it was the martial law and everything was on lockdown. Everything was like that, but they still survived and they're still performing right now and they're thriving even. Mm. So, and, and me, the year through the years that I've done it, I've experienced that like, you know, ups and downs and like moments where, where I literally have almost nothing or, or near nothing. And the only thing that I have is that rehearsal tomorrow, (laughs) you know, or that show a week after, like it's going to work out if you just continue working on it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, people, I, I forget who, who said it now. It was from the Honest Actors podcast that I listened before. Like, mm-hmm. theater is not, the, the theater or the arts does not owe you anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't owe you anything. But if you give to it, it will take care of you for some, like, in an odd way. It will, it will, like, take care of you. Yeah. So it's that. Like, we don't, like, like you know, if you don't get a job, the theater doesn't owe you anything. Sorry, you don't, you don't fit that casting. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that you stop you you just can because if you stop then it also stops giving you things yeah so you just have to it it will be hard i mean even for those people who have been doing it for a really long time it's still hard yeah yeah well, what's that's one of the things that that we have to that we have that's part of the job as well we have to keep on just doing it because there will never be a time where your uniqueness in the craft will not be needed mm-hmm. it will be it will completely be completely agree i love that yeah, that's what i believe and your closing question what makes yeah. you unique as a performer i think my instagram handle was <laughs> your instagram <laughs> handle is the best <laughs> no 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 it's it's that my fi- my foundation in storytelling i think yeah just because if if, if all else fails I can tell a story in yeah. its in its most primal grittiest and most basic form. Mm-hmm. And I think and I'll be I'll be proud enough to say um not many people can not many people like for example if you take a fairy tale or a story from a book like a well-known children's book mm-hmm. or like an old folk tale not many people can dig deep enough in story that you will really unroot what it's all about and translate what it is through a performance. Because you can just read a story aloud to a group of children or to a group of people or you can read a script. But to be able to really let its essence come out through your performance, not many people can do it. And, and, And I'm lucky enough, I'm lucky enough that I have been taught and i've and i've and i've gotten you know i've gotten like uh, experience from people who have done this like way longer than i have i've learned from them i've improved on myself i was able to train and i've experienced a lot of stuff that i am confident enough to say that i can do that that's mm-hmm. what i can bring to the table and that translates to others as well like if i'm going to sing a song if I'm going to move something, if I'm going to act something, that will mm-hmm. translate to it. Well, thank you so much for being part of this. Yeah, thank you so much, Christiana, for having me. This was such, I know, this is such a wonderful conversation. It was. It was very best, inspirational. Best of luck to all of us, like to all of us throughout the world in this heart, in this difficult time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode with Earl. Artist Avenue will be back on Wednesday with another exciting interview. Keep your eyes peeled, make sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Artist Avenue Podcast. Your support means the world. Lots of hugs, keep smiling and see you soon.